Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. Well, Mr. T, good morning and hello again. It's lovely to see you. I really mean that. Thank you. Thankful to God for being here. You know, I'm looking at you with, I don't know, $10 million worth of diamonds and gold and everything, and then I'm looking at your shoes that are just a disaster. Now, will you explain to me what's with these shoes all taped up looking tacky? Truth. You see, well, to some people they might see this tacky, but there's a message in these shoes, you see. Uh, these shoes keep me humble. If uh, you recall the last time that we met, I had these shoes. They weren't in that bad of a shape, you know. But these shoes are handed down through my family. My father wore them, my brothers wore them, and things like that. So they keep me humble, keep me and let me remember that I have a brother and sisters back in Chicago not doing to where I got mother and father that I must take care of. So you see, out in Hollywood, and especially all the money that I'm making now, it's so easy for me to get caught up in all these material stuff and forget where I'm coming from. So wherever I'm be, whether I'm with a governor or a mayor or a reception or whatever, I look down at my shoes and let me know, hey, I can't get too carried away here. So it keeps me level. As I say, I want to keep my feet on the ground and my head toward heaven. Are those the only shoes you have, T? No, I have other shoes, but, you know, these shoes just put emphasis on where I'm at. Most Sometimes I'll be in gym shoes and things like that, but when I go out personal appearance, I wear these shoes because there's a message in there. Good morning and welcome to the Critics' Corner. If the mathematics geniuses at Princeton's Institute for Advanced Studies see face-off, I defy them to calculate the total rounds of ammunition blasted from pistols and automatic weapons. They should calculate the number of fires, shattered windows, plane crashes, boat smashes, beatings, choking, stabbing, explosions in this new John Travolta, Nick Cage action movie. This is a state-of-the-art morphogenetic template. Now, face-off is a literal title because both of their faces are taken off. The inside is modeled on your skull. The outside exactly like Troy's. Then each face is put onto the other's head. Not a replica, but the real thing. Even their voices are switched with microchip implants. Then we simply connect the muscles, tear ducts, and nerve endings. In other words, this is an entirely reasonable, rational movie. Ty Webb. Heavy Longmire. Gustav Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato. Enlighten me. I want to hear you. Check, check. Check it one, syphilis, syphilis. May have to disinfect this mic. Yeah, it's all right. They'll wash. Are we good, you think? I think so, yeah. I think we're great. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, talk us up too much, but... Uh, I don't think you can, really. Tens of people would agree. Yeah, we've got at least eight loyal listeners. Maybe nine. Working that way up to double dig. We did lose an awful lot of Japanese listeners. Thanks, Heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what you got to blame it on, for sure. He's not a big fan of the South Pacific. Is Japan the South Pacific? <laughs> well, they were involved in the conflict, right? Sure, sure. Involved might be a... It's a PC way of very putting Very PC it. way of saying it, yeah. I'm trying to gain back a couple of listeners. Right, we're trying to work back up. We still have a few, but they just disappeared. I still don't know if all those downloads were real or bots or whatnot. I don't know. I Probably just Brad. No, nah, Brad's too too busy doing other stuff. 
in case you weren't sure, this is Can You Hear Me, the podcast of three guys talking about stuff, but one of those guys is off in the wilderness again, and it's just me, Gustave Monteblanc, and Ty Webb, back after months of absence. Contract negotiations went a little longer than expected. Quote, unquote, professionally, I last saw you at the start of November. Uh, Really? Yes. We've seen each other since then for barbecue hookups. Socially, we have seen each other since then. Right. But professionally. At various parties and so forth. Eyes wide shut type events. Right. It's, I can always tell you even with the mask on. Yeah. Well, I do have that one ear that hangs lower than the other. Sure. That's not what was hanging lower than I noticed. <laughs> you can reach out to us, if you will, on social media. I am at Real Gustav on Twitter. I am at TyWeb3000. And you can always email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And um, we have a not very well maintained Instagram account, Boom. which is all my problem. That's Can You Hear Me Pod. And our website is Can You Hear Me Pod.com. And you can find all of our back episodes if you so choose. Do we have them all now? Or are they did, well, how much were lost in the hard drive massacre of 2017? So personally, I lost them on the hard drive massacre of 2017. Although I did buy a new, uh, desoldering kit. I'm going to try to work on that hard drive a little bit more. I don't have any hope. Call me if you need help with that. All of the episodes, as I'm gesturing out in the ether for you. towards my hallway. All the episodes are still on our host, and I've slowly started downloading them bit by bit. I haven't gotten through backing them up completely. All right, then. But any of our listeners can just do a click on the episode and do a save as and uh, keep those for time and memoriam you should yeah i think everybody should sure and you should download those onto your parents yeah uh, maybe even grandparents maybe, you know if they're game there are probably a lot of grandparents maybe more grandfathers than grandmothers but who knows that would enjoy some of our stories yeah let us hear from you grandpa i i would be interested to hear who our oldest listener is if they're older than us, would be interesting. Well, we know that we've at least got a couple older than us by a few years. But uh, speaking of old, today I got a haircut, as you can tell, probably. No, but it just always looks so good. Well, it was about as long as I'd ever gone without a haircut. It was pretty shaggy, and I went to get a haircut at my normal haircut establishment. Is this a haircut establishment that is manned by gentlemen or by ladies? Ladies only. I support you 100%. And uh, it's usually a, it's usually a different lady every time. I'm not picky. Not ma- you're not making an appointment? No, no appointment. I used to have a lady that cut it on a regular basis, but that's neither here nor there. And it was definitely one of those moments where it reminds you just how old you are. This cute gal was cutting my hair. She's probably mid-20s or so. About five minutes into the conversation, because they'll get chatty on you. Oh, yeah. Um, she started referring to me as sir. Oh, this, that hurts the ego. <laughs> and kept that up throughout the haircut. Now, uh, I, I, you know, of course, referred to her as madam. <laughs> which probably perplexed her since she's probably not used to that term. No. Being of that age. She thought maybe I was British. 
I got my hair cut maybe two weeks ago. Bloby? I might as well. I mean, very underrated product. My hair, obviously, for those that have ever seen me in person, there's not much left anymore. It's all pretty brown, though. No, it's 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 grayer, much grayer. And if you remember in our youth, especially those halcyon days of us working uh, in the summers. Oh, yes. I had auburn hair. It was a glistening It was a, tone a, of a reddish, uh, dark auburn. And that, other than maybe uh, some pubes and if I grew my beard out. This was back in your shirtless southern rock days. Th- this is back in... Uh, <laughs> Rose-colored glasses. When the glasses were tinted <laughs> and uh, the, the shorts were very hippie-ish. And I might have weighed a buck 30. Man, speaking of the old days, I texted you the other day because I happened upon an old yearbook. Yes. Oh, look, before we get to that, because I, I do want to talk about okay. that, because I think that's fascinating. I've always been fascinated by those. I love those. old yearbooks. But I, went, I, too, go to a place that's predominantly women cutting the hair. and just As take, it should be. Take whoever I get. And the lady that I got, I'd had before, and she asked me, do I need to do your eyebrows? No. <laughs> That answer is always, if they ask, the answer is yes. Well, I, I shot it down. I, oh, man, I always get the eyebrow trim. I, I have not partaken. Now, I do have one rogue, oddly enough, amber hair that grows out incredibly long, like Mickey, uh, Andy Rooney long, okay? Is it beaver coarse? Because I get some of it those. It is super coarse. Yeah. And it has like a little, it's almost like an eyebrow pube. You pluck it and use it as a toothpick? Yes. I had taken care of that just a day or two before. Is your grandmother calling us? No, I have it. My mom listed as granny on my phone in case my kids need to call her. Okay. Not that I ever let my kids have my phone. <laughs> Boy. That's a bad move. I've I've rarely moved as quickly since high school as I have, you know, in the recent past when kids have picked up the phone on me. Right. Yeah, I don't think our younger listeners that don't have children of a certain age where they're aware in the world, know what a danger that phone, handing your phone to a child is. Oh, it just should never happen. So not to, and so let's put a, let's come back to that one. So I did decline the eyebrow trim. I guess I'll take it up next time. Well, I mean, they look quite nice right now. It's, you know, it's what they are, but they're well quaffed. Yeah, they're just natural so far, but there's danger there. There's lurking danger. Bit of an eyebrow murking. And then when I came home, Mrs. Gustav saw it, the haircut, which is super short. It's and just laughed. Tight. Just laughed because of how little there is now. That's <laughs> all. And then the kids pile on. And, oh yeah. You know. Anyway, okay. So you you came back to your domicile with a treasure trove. Of yearbooks, yes, from your mom, right? Which I think I told you I've gone through the ones of my dad about a hundred times. Right. I love looking through those old yearbooks. Now, to reset for our listeners at home, your dad and Heavy's dad have been great friends since childhood. Yes, and we're in the same graduating class. Yes, and then <clears throat> your mom. <clears throat> Was in the same class as, was she graduate, 72 or 73? 71. Oh, 71. Okay, so. Which, is that the same class your parents graduated? That would be or the, were they juniors? That would be the same class 
my dad was in. Okay. So your mom is, my mom graduated in 72 and my dad in 71. So your mom is in the same circle as those two because your dad's just a little bit older. I mean, they knew, everybody knows everybody. Oh, yeah. But when you got this batch of yearbooks, you're getting what I had looked at a million times myself growing up, uh, my parents' uh, time. There were so many great photos of your parents, especially your dad. In that yearbook. He's quiet. There was was so much Gus shining through in that yearbook. Well, he, I I look like him some. My brother. Oh, yeah. Your brother looks exactly like him. He's a dead ringer for him. Especially when my dad went off to basic training, the, um. their graduating platoon picture. Yeah. It looks exactly like my brother. Has he got it a little more high and tight in that oh, and photo? A, I mean, my brother used to wear it pretty pretty short like that too, and it's dead yeah. on. Yeah. But yes, and my my dad was on the yearbook staff. Yeah, he was editor. And, and so, your mom. And my mom, co editors and running so, that bad boy. That's why there's so many damn pictures of him in there. Oh man, he just screams personality in those photos. Uh, he was He's very Hunter S. Thompson. He was quite the uh I mean he's still and he'll hear this. He's still quite the uh in his mind, he's still got that, that fire, that that playful spirit. But back then he had like this and, and there's a picture of it somewhere in one of them. He had like this giant life size plaster of Paris paper mache dummy called of course, Igor. Of course he did. That he they moved around. I think they may have even maybe I'm making stuff up now. They may have even got into the school and like put him in classrooms and stuff at nice. night so that you'd see this body. How did that not make the yearbook? I don't know. I, I, I might be imagining that. I might be wrong. We'll I find think we out. might be bearing the lead here, though. Your dad listens to this? My dad, uh, so my brother found out about this. Yeah, so I've heard. And since my brother and dad work together, okay, my brother will play them in the shop. This is trouble. And then my dad hears it. That's fine. Now, my mom does not. <laughs> that's that's a good choice. You know, but my dad does. He He's not like a downloader, but he, he listens. You know, I get feedback. Well, as I told you in the text the other day, you know, my mom speaks very glowingly of your dad. He was quite the ladies' uh, man back he then. He looked pretty he sharp was, in those photos. Debonair. I think he also, you know, he had a prominent role in the uh, senior musical that year, which yes, he was he, quite... Was, that was well documented in the yearbooks. Yes. So, yeah, quite the uh, quite the early seventies player. His uh, his photo screamed "Gift of Gab." Yes, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, to this day, he'll talk to anybody. He's oh man, he he's is, yeah, he's great. He very he gregarious to, gentleman. Uh, likes to a renaissance man, if you will. If you will, yeah. He he <laughs> definitely likes to talk to people and wheel and deal and. You know, I don't like people, although I'll talk to people, but he, I don't have that gift of horse trading that he does. No, Heavy's the only one of our group that is a man of the people. Yes, Heavy is heavy is in the same ilk. He likes to shake hands and kiss babies and yeah. all that. Well, I mean, we've talked before, it's worth repeating, that time that the three of us went back to our hometown for a funeral of a friend's dad and... You and I are starving to death, at, and it turned oh. into a. It, it what and we had been there for a while. Well, and personally, I was expecting because we were just there for quote unquote family night. Yeah, which with those types of funerals is goes not, a while. Yeah, and 
you know, I've been to a family night where you might have to stand in line a long time <clears throat> to get through. Right. But this was a sit-down pre-funeral. Yeah, where people are invited to come up and speak. Yes, at length. We, I mean, we had to be there pushing two hours. Yeah, without a doubt. And so finally, when that ends, which is fine. But I fully expected for Heavy to take the mic at one point, I too. Was, I wasn't. I wouldn't have been surprised. I think the only thing that held him back was the fact that Heavy's dad was also there. Yeah, and that we were there. Because <laughs> right. he knew that we would kick him in the balls repeatedly. He knew we would hit record as soon as he stepped <laughs> We'd up We'd have there. a whole episode about it. But he, we we were had agreed where we were going to go to eat. Your dad was there, so you had to stop and talk to him. Right. So we, that we knew that, and his One, dad was there. And funny enough, my dad is also at the back at the end waiting on Heavy's dad to stop glad handing and everything, just like we're standing back there waiting on heavy. Right. They're both, I mean, they're the same ilk. Yeah, they're, they're the same person. The, basically, they are. And it took, what, 45 minutes to oh get him out gosh. of there? Because he had to talk to and everybody. And that was with prompting. Yeah. Remember the one time about halfway through the wait, we kind of sashayed down there and gave him the, hey, can yeah. we, you know, get a move on this? And then after that, he probably stopped and talked to three or four people. He just loves to, to meet people. He's a, America's favorite. He he is the the mayor of the 903. <laughs> There's no doubt that one day will be his title officially. Uh, officially, yes. They'll <laughs> he'll take over the reins from the I think his ultimate goal is to pass the guy in our hometown who's been mayor on at least six occasions with a total of about 20 years term. Yeah, I, I never have figured out that that <laughs> piece of it. I, that man loves to be mayor. I don't know why anybody would want to be mayor. <laughs> I think he just wants an excuse to wear that same sports coat. Oh, my gosh. With now, the shoulder pads. Yes. Now, and the elbow patches. You know, we have a listener who is uh, taking the plunge into local city government, Local city if you will. government. Yeah. Yeah. We have a uh, a West Texas listener that's now a city councilman. I do not understand. I mean, I, I applaud... People stepping up and, you know, filling that gap. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody has to. It ain't going to be me. No, it will not be me either. I don't want anybody doing background research on me anyway. No, it's bad enough that we got this. That's true. Which we've taken on ourselves. Do you ever think about that for a second? I try not to, or I want to just burn it all down. Right now, I want to just take that computer and throw it against the wall. All right, go ahead. But yes, 70s small town yearbook. I got a couple of takes from that. Okay. Because like I said, I've gone through, I just, I love going through, I mean, you know, color me sentimental, but I love going through all that old yearbook stuff. Yes. Partly because I know most of the people in it. Exactly. Because our parents grew up in the same town we did. And we had a lot of the same teachers. Which I sent you that photo. Yes. Of the, it was the first year for some of those teachers in 71 that we had. Yep. Um, some of them had already been there that we ended up having that wonderful picture of our chemistry teacher. Oh, yes. <laughs> that I feel like I'm in the small minority of people that can say that they worked on a construction crew with their chemistry teacher at one point. Yeah, that's that's a very short list. Who was wearing a headband for most of that summer. And who probably outworked you. Oh, there's he outworked three times. everybody on the crew. Um, and to the point that the lawman's dad had to tell him. Look, you're going to have to slow down. I don't want I don't want you having a heart attack out here, then I'm going to have to drag you out of the ditch, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that that's that's still crazy. But one of my takes, and I I know we've talked about this at 
social settings before, but not on the air, I don't think, is how much older the teenagers look in those yearbooks than they do today. I agree. I mean, our parents looked like they were 25 when they were sophomores in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I've looked back at ours, and that's not the case. It does not look the same way. (laughs) I mean, if anything, we look like we're barely out of junior high. Yeah, I especially do. (laughs) And man, the... A couple of takes on the women in those late 60s, early 70 yearbooks. First of all, well-coiffed. Yes. Hairdos, loved it. Well, and part... Very distinct. One of the great things about that particular batch of yearbooks is that the 68 and 69 yearbooks are the end of the... The 68 is the end of the beehive hairdo. Right, right. Or the, the, the really... Do-do. Oh, yeah, because if you look at the ones from like 65, 66, they're insane. Yes. And then you start to get that breaking point as the summer of love yep. pushes out into rural America. And now then you get a much more relaxed. The guy's hair is, a, you know, you look at your dad's era. Oh, in the in those, even up to 68, but especially 65, 66, 67, those people look like they're right out of the 50s. Yes. The people in the 70s, 71, and even 72 yearbooks, they look, they're getting closer to the hippie look. Right. The guys are growing their hair a little bit longer. The women are wearing a little bit more hippie-like clothing kind of stuff. Not near as conservative as 65. No, not at all. But there are a bunch of lookers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, and they look so, I mean, there's hardly any women I mean, I call them women. Right. They're, you know, 16, 17 years old. They all look 10 years older than any of the girls we went to high school with. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I agree. And now I'm not sure in my mind if this is a um, projection based on that we knew these women in their early 20s is when we first knew them. Right. So there, I think maybe some of that there is. But I agree in general. They just looked more adult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the clothing, like you said, it's still relatively conservative. You don't have the, because I had uh, an aunt that's graduated probably 74 and, or maybe 73, you know. And so you get into those, you st- and an uncle that was even younger than that, it's very much dazed and confused looking at right. that point. Yeah. But this is that, it's just fascinating to see America change through these yearbooks. Well, and what's crazy, too, is that like if, when you look at those, even up to 71, that one I was looking at the other day, I was sending you pictures of the teachers and coaches who are older, they really look like they're out of 1950. Yes. I mean, those women are wearing those old glasses with the chain right. look. The football coach looks like he's high and tight right out of, you know, 1955 oh. military school. You could You could take that coach and you could put him from... 1930 through 1970. No doubt. They all look exactly the same. And it would be the same no matter what. Same haircut, same jawline, same outfit. I mean, they look identical. Yeah. And they look like they're up for no bullshit. Now, uh, along those lines about how they look like something straight out of the 50s, I can't go into detail, but I saw a clipping that somebody was trying to ascertain when was this and it was about a a trial and i'll tell you off air scopes uh no 
It was the <laughs> Okay, local. Local. Live and local. And somebody was like, that looks like it's from the 60s. And no, somebody was like, no, that was the 50s. And yeah. there was no delineating line at all. And it was the, a picture of the the man and his whole family going to trial. And you could have just dropped it in anywhere from a good 17-year period, probably. It's amazing how much, and I know we talked about it a little bit before when we were talking about the documentary, but it is amazing how much the culture changed with Vietnam. I mean, not just like the, the feelings of the culture and the, you know, the ideas about government and all, everything like that, but you look at early 60s versus end of the 60s, and it looks like a totally different generation. Yeah, it's America flipped. I mean, it, it's so, and that's what I love to talk to my dad, especially about, because he was right in the middle of that. Right. You know, him and Heavy's dad graduated in 68, all the shit that went down in 68. I mean, RFK, MLK, I mean, everything that was right. going on. But the difference between the time that they started high school in 65 to the time that they finished high school in 68. Totally different world. I mean, it's like a hundred years passed. Right. And, you know, and we we had some monumental things in ours. You know, we had the fall of the of communism in ours. We had Lubies. We had the Lubies incident. But we really, and we had at the start. We, we had, had the, Koresh. We had the first, no, Koresh was oh, college. Was, yeah, Koresh was early 90s. Uh, we had uh, the first Gulf War. Right. Because remember, we had the TV there yes. at the, in our senior year. In the, well, that uh, was our freshman year for the Gulf War. Well, but the, we didn't have the TV in the classroom till our senior year, didn't we? Or was it junior? I, I know that, it was. It may in, have been junior, but we that was past the Gulf War. It was in the head of the class, though, that we had the TV yes. in there, where we would get the daily updates. Channel one on what was going on. Right. Yeah, the daily propaganda. Yeah, because it was eighty nine when that started, right? I think so. Yeah. So that would have been our freshman Maybe, year. It might have been eighty eight. It may may have been in the fall of eighty eight. But yeah, it was it was freshman year that it all started. Yes, up. it was freshman. But then I think it was. I don't think it was until junior year that we had the TVs. You're probably right. Because I, I don't remember having them until we got in that class. We didn't, you know, we had TVs on carts that we would watch VCR, but we didn't watch anything live or... That's where we'd watch Don Quixote. Yes. Men of La Mancha. How, where are, were you in the Spanish class with me where... No, I was not. Schmoo paid the kid $5 to eat the cockroach off the floor? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I was not in there that who who was the kid? Uh well I don't want to say you know, on I'll air, bleep but, it. uh it was oh, I'm trying to think of his name. I can picture his face. A year younger than us? Yeah, he was a year younger than us. It was um I'm gonna have to think. I can't remember his name. All I right. can I could do a an artist rendering, but I can't remember his name. Yeah, I I'm interested in this because crazy ass hair, showered on occasion, uh. had glasses, south of the tracks. Trying to think of heavy. I'll, I'll have to. Think I'm trying of to think it. of heavy's class of who that that fits, and I'm not narrowing it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's more than more than a few, but yeah, he he dared him to, and he just reached down there and ate yeah. it while we were watching Don no, Quixote. No, uh, I was in French class. Oh yes, with the French teacher. With the French teacher, I who y'all gave ultimate hell to. I think I've told that, but it's worth repeating. So she had an inner ear problem. As most French teachers do. And she, although she's an incredibly nice lady. Too nice. She was not the strongest personality for teaching. 
She was not built for our hijinks. She would be geared more towards college. <laughs> right. Not rural Texas French class. No. Especially the first year of it. And so we had some folks that would use reverse psychology on her. And she would tell them, I'm going to send you to the office. Fine. Send me to the office. And I'm going to go right now. You can't stop me. And she's like, you sit back down right now. She was way too gullible, naive. And then, you know, I was no saint. I wasn't the worst. But me and uh, the Polynesian. Of which I sent a picture of his dad to you from that yearbook. Yes. That looks exactly like him. They all, you know. All that of gene that family, is strong. That gene is strong. They are, they are, you can spot them out of any yearbook. <laughs> Man, they look so identical. And the family is so big. There was one in every yearbook from like 1968 through uh, that generation. Through about 92. Through 88. Because he, you know, his aunt was the law, I think, in the lawman, lawman's brother's class. Well, but I mean, our buddy graduated with us. I know, but I'm saying. His dad's. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. His like his siblings. Yeah, his siblings. It ran, it ran almost twenty years. Yeah, because our buddy had uncles that were almost his age. Yeah, uh, maybe. I guess his aunt might have graduated eighty seven. Maybe. Yeah. So maybe with the lawman's brother. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was eighty seven, eighty eight. So that was always crazy. But the um, we would rock back and forth while we were talking to her. <laughs> Or maybe sway in our chair oh, gently man. while she's, she's getting vertigo. She would, yeah. And there would be days, I, you know, I feel awful about it now. I'll laugh about it, but it was really shitty. And years later, we had a funeral to go to in another town, me and Mrs. Gustav. And we were there, and I noticed on the um, the program, I guess you call it a program, right? The little, I, yeah. The I piece think of paper so. they hand out, you know. Uh, they don't do a lot of show tunes. But. No, but. Although that's a whole nother thing of, of bad funeral music we might talk about someday. Uh, and remind me to tell you about the time that I almost destroyed two weddings. Yes, I'm still waiting for that. But I noticed that her husband, who was a, a pastor. I did not remember that. Is preaching this funeral. Hey, now. And it's another small town. Snakes? No, no, no snakes. Although I did. I am a, working my way through that book and it's quite good. It's good. I gave a full discourse on. Uh, Oh, yeah. On the Tell Me Where to Turn podcast after they subjected me to shitty KLTY songs of the 90s. <laughs> so then I talked about snake handling for about 20 minutes. But anyway. So Were they want you to go down the K-Lake host roster. Well, he uh, there on the Tell Me Where to Turn podcast, Tommy had come up with the idea that they were going to all bring certain tracks, Christian pop songs of their youth and they were going to go through that the best of petra it didn't make it i was surprised but they're a little bit younger than us no as most are now i never got into any of that at all well partly because it's terrible it's awful It's, it's awful now it's awful then i can't stand it but i had to sit there as their guest did they mention striper no they didn't mention striper where where were these people and i I didn't feel that I could because I couldn't tell you a single Striper song or Petra song. But their band covers were amazing. And, you know, the I always got Striper and Wasp mixed up. <laughs> Two very different. Very different. Uh, oh, man. Both using the black and white. I mean, the black and yellow, I mean. 
but very different bands. Our financial advisor buddy was big on the Wasp back, yes. in, the, back in our Motley Crue days. Boy, you two were super Motley Crue about 1985, uh, 86. I had the, I had the shout at, I think I've mentioned this before, but I had, along with Prince and a number of other posters in my heavily wood-paneled room, I had the Shout at the Devil poster. I, I was also heavily wood paneled, and you know, at times I missed the wood paneled one. It was room. great for putting stuff up. Oh yeah, you just tack anything That's right. you just want. Just thumbtack that bad boy up there. So I'm at this funeral, and I see that her husband is preaching it, and it's a small town. And the person that I was there for, I knew, I uh, was a member of that church. So I kind of looked around, and there was the French teacher a few rows away. She looked the same? Oh, yeah. So as the funeral lets out, and everybody's out front of you the start uh, church, I start moseying. And the look on her face when she saw me. Sheer terror. Absolute terror. <laughs> and oh, shit, they found me. And this she wasn't there that much longer. No, she was only there maybe three years or so. <laughs> Wore her out quick. We and, and partly that may have been her husband got a new position somewhere else, but... Yes, we ever the itinerant pastor. We, fr- we frayed her nerves to no end, and it had only been it'd been about ten, twelve years since I'd seen her, but she instantly <laughs> recognized me. Did she call you by your French yeah, name? She called me by my French name because yeah. I saw our Spanish teacher. Uh, it's pro- it was probably twenty years after we graduated. I saw her one time and. Sure enough, she called me by my Spanish name. I guess I just never forget that. I guess. You know, I can't remember anybody's name. Yeah, I'm it, awful with it. Yeah, it's terrible. And in my line of work, I meet new people quite often, and it goes in and out, and poof. Sometimes I'll tell people, look, I, no disrespect, but I'm probably not going to remember your name. Yeah, I, I do too. And You're going to have to tell me three or four I, times. I'll tell them, you know, I'm sorry I meet so many people, you know, yada, yada, yada. I don't value you as a person. Right. Can you tell me your name again? You what mean was your very name? little to me. Yes. Yeah. I will forget that you even existed until someone reminds me a few years ago. It'd be helpful if you wore a name tag, It'd even be... if we're at the family reunion. Yes. You know, I don't go to a lot of funeral family reunions. That seems to be a lost art because we used when I was a kid, we had those all the time, yes. and now I never hear about them. I think unless uh, you're in the community, yeah. the community still the holds on to those. Solid. They print shirts, but we, man, we had those growing up every year out at the lake. Yeah, the, and the, now, man, I mean, we haven't had one of those in twenty years, probably. We had one about three or four years ago. Now, and, if we have them, it's at the pen. Well, you know. And my kids were like, you never told us we had this family. I'm like, well, yeah. You know. There you go. There you go. Um, Meet Uncle Danny. It was a... uh, Don't get too close. That was... You know, he's not legally allowed to be here. Um, That's That was something that was all the time, it seems like. It has really died off. Because it wasn't just us. I mean, it seemed like everybody had them back then. You know who had... Get yourself a barbecue... Who else had a uh, had a shirt made up? Uh, that's Megan's family, the Cortinas family reunion. Well, well. And uh, TC wore that shirt. To, oh, that's right. Uh, to Barry Switzer's house. <laughs> that's right. I remember him saying that. That's hilarious. I didn't put two and two together that that's what that was from. But yeah. That's awesome. So maybe, maybe anything Megan related is awesome. Maybe the more uh, invites we get, maybe we'll get invited to the next one. Although 
Well, her dad is pissed at me right now. Her dad is pissed at you. Rudy the, is mad. Because of the ice cream recommendation, which I stand by. And that recommendation was? It was the Brahms Pecan Pie Ice Cream, which is delightful. You know you know, I'm out right away. Well, I know. But it's, you know, it was a special blend of pecan spices. It had little bits of crust in there, which were sure. nice. I enjoyed it. I recommended it. Next thing you know, Megan's dad is threatening to whip my ass over it. He's a large man. I mean, I'm, I told him, you know, if he can find me, I'm good to go. I'm just betting on him not finding me. That's, that's highly likely. Highly likely. And, you know, hopefully he hasn't listened to the episodes where we were, you know, a little less than appropriately PC. I don't know what his sense of humor is on that, but I don't really want to test it. Yeah, I don't know either. And she gets real nervous at times. When uh, I've made... She kept giving us that throat cut sign, right. and I don't know what that meant, but it didn't seem good. When I've been on her podcast, if I push things too far into our realm, she gets a little bit nervous and say, well, my dad listens to this. Or if I suggest that we perhaps do vintage porno. Perhaps. On her movie podcast. Little Debbie Does Dallas or... Deep Throat. Deep Throat. She's like, my dad listens to this. I'm like... Behind the Green Door is always a good option. Uh, uh, was that Marilyn Chambers? I believe so. Maybe. She was in a lot back yeah, then. Yeah, she was. She was also the uh, the face of the uh, one of the detergents. Well, and didn't she have that... Uh, Which one was Was she? it HBO or Cinemax that had that... Presented by Marilyn Chambers series thing I, way back in I the day. I remember that. I think that was Skinamax. I she, don't know that she was necessarily in the movies, but she was like a, on the title. Yeah, I think she may have. Uh, she might have been a producer. And I think she might have like done a little host type thing, kind of like Rod Serling on Twilight Zone. Kind of like Elvira, the horror movies. Oh, I love Elvira. Oh, still do. And she's, you know. And a great song. That was a major song of our youth. I still remember that record. Well, I still remember having to do a routine in PE class to That's it. right. We sure did. That was a record that had the, was it Columbia that had the rainbow color on the 45s? Or was that RCA? It was, maybe it was RCA. Yeah, RCA. RCA. Boy, I remember my grandparents having that 45 and I wore that thing out. It, it's great. You know, that was a um, one of those things. That, that needs to be, I feel like that's an undersampled song too. Yeah, why hadn't somebody got that umbop? Uh, Ivory Snow, that was the Marilyn Chambers. Oh, yes. Where she was before she got into porn, I guess, right. is when she did that. And, you know, that's also one, maybe the title of one of her films. If not, it should be. That'd be the title of, uh, of the biography. Although it looks kind of like, uh, a little bit like, uh, Sybil Shepherd. It's kind of hard to actually, I mean, I can see Man, that it's I love her. Sybil Shepherd. I mean, I've been in love with her since, Last picture show. Uh, uh, someday, and I know she wouldn't watch it because it's black and white. We need to do last picture show with her, and she's going to say it sucks, and we're <laughs> going to say how great it is and beat her down with it. Yeah, because we'll, I mean, we could definitely, we could do a whole episode on just that movie for sure, but if she doesn't recognize the greatness of Bogdanovich, then we got a real problem. Well, Bogdanovich, uh, the Bottoms Brothers, you know, Cloris Leachman, Ben Johnson, that that Sam the Lion uh, monologue out by the uh, stock tank may the, be one of my favorite things. One of the best things in film. And, you know, 
Did you ever see the acceptance speech for Ben Johnson uh, when he did uh, when he won the Oscar for it? No. So he got to be really close with Bogdanovich and Bogdanovich's wife, and he was very disappointed and upset that Sybil had broken them up. Oh, yeah. And so when he comes out for the to win the uh, to do his acceptance speech, he's very gracious and everything. But he makes a point to recognize how important Bogdanovich's wife was Ooh. to the process. Needling a little, yeah, just a. Mm. Mm. And then yeah, he he doesn't say anything. Did he mention Lolita at any no, point? No, he did not. He didn't uh, didn't go super hard, but he's just very much. I'm going to let you know that you've. He was so cool. So cool. It's great. That, like you said, that, and it, I mean, we're not the first ones to recognize it for sure, but that whole monologue of his is one of the best in film history. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's magical. And I, you know, the, uh, it's like so many people we grew up knowing, old men, you can see that same thing just being said to you, maybe not that poetically. But. It's it's like exactly it's exactly like several of the conversations me you and Heavy have had with our grandfathers. Sure, and that Bogdanovich reminds me of, and I, I don't think you've seen it yet, but you need to because you would love it. Is you need to watch that series, A Decade Under the Influence, about the movies of the seventies. I do need to watch that. It's, you've recommended it to me, and I, I need to rewatch it. It's a, I mean, I what? think it's three parts. It was um it was an IFC thing. I, I might have seen part of one. It is so great. There were so many good out. movies made during that time period. And you know, uh, it's it's if for nothing else, you're gonna get to see shampoo clips. Well, there you go. It's it's overindulgent, but the kid stays in the picture. Over mm. self indulgent, I should say, is also a good one. And I've told Heavy to watch that a thousand times. I don't know if he's done it yet, but He's too busy watching damn Gabriel Iglesias comedy <sighs> specials on Netflix. He needs when to he get his ass in gear and watch shit. some good stuff. That I've seen that when that first came out, and a buddy of mine told me about it. I've watched that thing. I don't know how many times. And is there anybody that's ever been a more caricature of themselves than Bob Evans? Uh, it, it's... <laughs> when, when it cuts to the end and you see him narrating the whole thing, and then he just continues on doing it live, <laughs> and you think. This guy just sat at a mic and did that for an hour and a half straight. Yeah. No. And he could, you know, he used to, I think the reason that they did the movie is because he used to do these, not like stand-up appearances, but he used to do these like public appearances to where he would just get up there and And talk. And talk. And everybody loved it so much, this guy finally, you know, convinced him to do a movie. Well, and imagine what they left out. Oh. I mean... There's few people that have had a more fascinating life than Bob Evans, who I think is still with us. I think he is still alive. Yeah, God, those <laughs> those clips of him doing those. Uh, what was it? W- which motion picture company was it that he was doing those promotion clips for? When he's doing those, it is so <sighs> yeah. hilarious. Is it? Um, was it Paramount? I think it was Paramount. Man, I, I've got to go back and rewatch that. It is. If you're out there and you're listening. And you haven't seen the kid stays in the picture. That is priority one. It is fascinating. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Especially if you have any interest in 
not old, old Hollywood, but 60s, 70s Hollywood. I can't imagine anybody, it, even if you're not, though, I can't oh, imagine no, somebody watching that and not just being riveted by you know, this it's guy. It's very compelling to stick with, but if you like... And uh, the way it's done is really cool, too. Yes. If you like you know, Steve McQueen movies or you know, things like that... If you like Angie Dickinson. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't? If you don't, then you need to stop listening to us right now. Man, we are getting Twitter questions out the wazoo. We will hit them up in just a moment. Bogdanovich was fascinated with older directors. And he's, I can't remember the book, but I read it where he sat down with the greats. So he sat down with like uh, Raoul Walsh. He was buddies with Coppola, right? Uh, Yeah, he was buddies with Coppola, but this is, that would be a peer. Right. But he was, he was, he got to be great friends with Orson Welles. And at that time... Wells has become a caricature of himself. He know. was into Ford too, right? He, he sat down with, I got think he got to sit down with Ford. He sat down with Walsh, quick, Howard Hawks. Quick sidebar. You yeah. know what we need to do? We need to do a three-way with Megan, like we've always wanted to. Sure. A, on Touch of Evil. Oh, yes. She might not get a word in. No. I, I just want to make her watch better movies. Good cinema. Yes. That, that's what, that's cinema. That Films. is film. That's, that's film noir at its best. It's, a, it's the high watermark of it. Mexican Charlton Heston. See? She can relate. She ought to be right up on that. If she's not attracted to Mexican Charlton Heston, I don't know what we're I doing. I know I damn well am. I mean, <laughs> that movie was so, that so op- great. That opening shot. <laughs> See, Megan doesn't appreciate cinematography. Well, she will after she sees that, or we'll make her watch it again. You know what I started watching this week? I can't wait to hear. I'm revisiting... The Wiggles? Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. And I, I'm just taking little bites. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be consumed Because <laughs> that's a hard one segments. to take in a, in a full gulp, but, you Would know. she ever consider doing a Russ Meyer film? Well, I, I think the the... The point of entry would have to be beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I don't think we could so tackle. Yeah, I don't think we could tackle Super Vixens. <laughs> Man, I or, love how Meyer was just. There was just no subtlety to him whatsoever. Faster Pussycat, or was it Faster Pussycat? Kill, kill, kill. Is that the name of that one? That S- sounds San- right. Satana. Yeah, it's out Man, in the desert. That's been a long time. Or Mud Honey. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talk about prolific. How many movies did he put out? Uh, we just need to watch Ushi uh, Dugard movies with Russ Meyer. We need, yeah, we need to have a a, a Russ Meyer filmography get together. Now, the Beyond the Valley of the Dolls that was written by one Roger Ebert back when he had a jaw. That's right. I forgot about that. Which always really cracked me up how he was responsible for fully jawed Ebert. A really terrible movie. I mean, it's not the worst movie, but it's... Cult classic. It's but, a cult classic, but it's... Yet he was able to make a career of criticizing other people's movies. He would have given it one thumb sideways. Oh, yeah. I would like to have seen Gene Siskel, who I dearly loved. Their show was so good. It was great. I love that arguing back and forth and when they would get mad at each other. It was such a Jane, you ignorant slut every episode. Every episode. So good. And, you know, Siskel would get up, kind of raise up in his chair. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and so I, I still haven't seen it, but I heard that documentary on Ebert is fantastic. 
I haven't seen that either. And then I don't trying to think if there is one. I don't know if there's a documentary, but evidently there's there was a really good book done about Siskel too that I'd love to read. But I haven't read that, and I haven't seen that documentary on Ebert. But I I heard it's fantastic. That, it's that called was, like I can't remember. It's called like a something like a magical life or a wonderful life or something with life in right. the title. I think, but it's supposed to be really good. You know, it's fascinating. Married to a sister. Yes, yes. It's fascinating that up until that point, all I knew of film review in my limited world. Are you going shallot? Well, I'm going. I'm going to one two punch here. Okay, was Rex Gene, Reed? No, well, okay. Number three, Gene Shallot and Bobby Wygant. Oh man, you talk about polar opposites. Now I watched some How raw much Aquanet. Was Wygant sporting? How long did Wygant go for? God. Forever on Channel 5, uh, KXAS. She case, was, she yeah. had to rival Taft as the longest person ever on Channel 5. Pretty long. I watched a interview that she did with Wilder. She didn't age either, which was weird. No, well, I think she was bathing in the blood of the innocent, maybe. Probably. And it was outtake, it was raw, 35 millimeter, <laughs> you know. And she's just, you know, so getting all prim and proper. And, oh, man. She made Nancy Reagan look loose. Oh, she looks like so just rigid and, you know, oh, like a doll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like an old porcelain doll. But that was that was all we knew was crazy-ass Gene Shalit telling us that Leonard Part 6 was great. With the best, has to be one of the best mustaches of all time. Super. Is he still alive? Can't be. I think he might still be alive. Let's fact check. Surely not. Fact check that on the air right now. Rex Reed also still going strong. That was one that I never understood. Well, he's been catching a lot of shit lately, too, over Has his he? reviews. Getting paid? No, just because he's been panning a bunch of stuff that people said he's just panning for no reason and that kind of thing. Still alive, Gene Shalit. Seriously? What does Seriously. he look like now? Please tell me that. I know the stash is gray, but please tell me it's still long and stringy. You want to see what he looks like alive? <laughs> okay. That's exactly what I hope. This episode will be, that, what does Gene Shalit look like? That has to be the cover art. That is the cover art for this episode. Thank you, Mr. Shallot, for all the that you've given us. The title of this us. week's episode is Gene Shallot is Alive and Well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, um, I'm glad you're back. I missed I missed your scent. I love your shoulders. Um, so it's good to have us back. And Are uh, we done? Yeah, that's, we're almost we're at our time. God. All right. Well, but don't worry. We'll do more. Let's do it. All right. I guess we'll uh, talk to y'all later. Adios. Bye. Our next movie is not only the first feature in a long time, starring television's top star, Bill Cosby, but it is also one of the worst movies of the year. In fact, I think I could just take my little uh, mental editor and take out the words one of and just call it the worst movie of the year because it's really such a cynical exercise. And don't take even my word for it. Bill Cosby himself has gone on talk shows to denounce this film. The movie stars Cosby as a former CIA agent who is now a millionaire San Francisco restaurant owner when he's called out of retirement to battle an evil villainous's plot to conquer the world by attacking her enemies with trained small creatures like frogs, squirrels, and rainbow trout. <laughs> What 
What uh, Mr. Harris is trying to tell you is that never before have all five nominees for the Best Supporting Actor been nominated for the very first time. And those gentlemen are... Jeff Bridges in The Last Picture Show. Leonard Fry in Fiddler on the Roof. Richard Jekyll in Sometimes a Great Notion. Ben Johnson in The Last Picture Show. And Roy Scheider in The French Connection. And the winner is... Sally? Ben Johnson in The Last Picture Show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very grateful to the Academy. I had a speech all rigged up for this, but the more I worked on it, the phonier it got. So I, uh, I'd like to mention some people that has made this all possible. Mr. Peter Bogdanovich, the director of The Last Picture Show, his lovely wife, Polly, Mr. John Ford, who had a lot to do with my doing the show, the entire cast and crew, and all of the folks down in Anarene, Texas. I think they deserve a big mention. Last, but certainly not least, Columbia Pictures. Now, if you've got a crew like that behind you, you can't be all bad. And now what I'm about to say probably will stir up a lot of conversation around over the country. It's something I'd like to leave in everyone's mind throughout the world. <laughs> this couldn't have happened to a nicer feller. Thank you. <laughs> and world-class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Sally. Good night from Dallas, Texas. <laughs>